Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. This has been an awkward, tough day for Red Wings fandom, Red Wings Twitter. Um, the Darren Helm era is over. And it's something that we kind of figured was coming, obviously. I, I mean, all jokes and memes and, you know, the Darren Helm is elite bit aside, this was kind of projected for a little while out. I honestly would have thought that he'd go to Edmonton. And if he couldn't get a job in Edmonton, it'd probably mean retirement. The fact that he went to Colorado. <laughs> I messaged Ro- I messaged Rowan. I was like, hey, condolences, man. And he went, the only thing he said was today is canceled. <laughs> Just the whole day. I uh, There's going to be actual commentary in a little bit. Obviously, on all the Red Wings signings and departures, Darren Helm being one of them. But yeah, just uh, <laughs> just just a tough pill to swallow. Just a tough one to process. Yeah, I, I saw the news and then I immediately Googled what the Australian equivalent of 911 was. Just, you know, just in case. Um, Yeah, he's uh, he responded well. to one of my tweets and made fun of me in another tweet later. So I think he's doing all right. I That's as close to a proof of life as we can get for Rowan. Ten minutes after the tweet ripping on me, though, he agreed with the point I made, so he might actually be in trouble. Oh, send help. What's that number, Brad? Did you find <laughs> it? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, a lot to talk about in terms of free agency and honestly, an altogether happy one for the Red Wings. Um, Brad and I are here today to bring all that to you. Evan is off for good reason. Um, he is moving his home into another home uh he does need to stop telling us that the hardest part is the crane getting moving the jacuzzi from his old house to his new house because i'm like people aren't gonna like you when you just keep throwing that in their face man but uh according to him the jacuzzi's in the driveway and all of his sports gear has moved over so i guess he just has the rest of his house um but anyhow brad and i are here welcome to the winged wheel podcast i'm ryan hannah and i'm evan <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Um, <laughs> on today's Winged Wheel podcast, we're going to be talking talking to you about a special announcement that you may have already seen that we made um, uh, across our socials, uh, but it's one that we've been really, really excited to talk to you uh, all about. Uh, we're going to be talking about free agency. This is the free agency episode, especially for the Red Wings. We'll be diving into everything Steve Eisenman did, uh, and then we'll take a glance at the NHL at large, what they did in terms of free agency, what they did in terms of trades before jumping into a very uh, exciting interview that that we did, um, Evan and I, not too long ago with none other than Alex Nedeljkovich. I almost forgot about it starting this episode. And fun story, I actually spoiled it last episode. Uh, when Evan and I recorded the extended overtime, I made a reference to the interview that we had just recorded prior. Because it it was basically this we ha- we've recorded something every day for the past like fifteen days I think, um, and a few people caught on to it. But I did indeed spoil the Nadelkovich interview. But uh, yeah, we'll be uh, chatting with Alex Nadelkovich later um, in this show. First time I think we've talked to an active Red Wings player. Like I believe so. Active, yeah, I believe so. 
So yeah, that was really cool. And uh, it was a good, you know, great conversation. Alex had a, a lot of fun stuff to say, especially towards the end. Uh, I think you guys will appreciate it. Uh, before we get started, I do uh, want to talk to everyone about the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, you'll have heard last episode, we had Ken Daniels on again. I mean, we just kind of brought in our um, our live stream chat with him. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And another way you can offer your support, and this is the uh, announcement that we've been very uh, excited to bring forward to you all, is that um, we are partnered up with the Detroit Red Wings to host Winged Wheel Podcast Night at Little Caesars Arena for a Detroit Red Wings game next season. Um, this is something that's been in the works for a long time that we're... We were over the moon about uh, as we were planning it. We've been itching to tell you all, but just had to make sure to get all the details finalized. Um, the response that everyone showed has been, it, it made Brad speechless. And I have to tell you how rare of a feat that is. Uh, the event will consist of a pregame meetup that we'll have in Little, Little Caesars Arena. Uh, so for anyone who's been, anyone who's been to one of our meetups before, you know the drill. You come, you eat our food, you drink our beer. We'll have stuff to give away. Um, uh, some big names and faces might be coming through. More to come on that. Uh, and then all of us will be seated in the same or similar sec or like really close to each other. We'll have a block of seats just for Winged Wheel podcast fans and listeners. Uh, there's going to be merch. And we're going to be recording a post-game live episode. So a whole event for everyone. Um, we have decided on a date. We've landed on a date that's been finalized. Uh, we'll be announcing it formally tomorrow uh, across socials, but that is Saturday, November 13th. Uh, that is the game against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, the details as to how to buy the tickets and when to buy the tickets will be coming out once that opens up. And that might be in a little while, uh, I think late August, maybe mid to late August. But what we need from you all who are planning on attending, uh, we're going to post some links to a blog post on the website where you can fill out a form to A, show your interest, and B, tell us a little bit about how you plan on coming to the game, uh, what your preferences are, because there's some logistics to the event that we still need to plan. So we need to know more from you. So Winged Wheel Podcast partnership crossover with the Detroit Red Wings. Would you have ever imagined it? A little surreal, eh? Like, I don't want to hop on the soapbox too much because, you know, I'm not generally the sentimental type, but just thinking back to how this podcast started, you know, what feels like 37 years ago of just three dudes in Leafland, sick of having to talk to their friends about the Leafs, so forming a podcast with absolutely no plan other than to cure boredom to talk about the Red Wings to, what is it, six years later now, actually being partnered with the Detroit Red Wings? Like, it's a fan-made podcast by three dudes with no broadcasting experience, no background whatsoever in hockey media. And we're hosting an event at a Detroit Red Wings game, which is 
brought to you by the Detroit Red Wings. And we get to raise money for a massively good cause in the Jamie Jamie Daniels Foundation at the same time. Like, that's all that's been running through my head this entire time that we've been talking with, you know, all the great people in the Red Wings organization to get this. Um, we when we can finally make it public, seeing just the unbelievable response from all of you who are the reason this is even happening. Like, it's yeah in a, in a in a dark time in the world. I didn't know it was possible to have so much positivity. It's it's crazy. So thank you all. Thank you to the Red Wings. Thank you to the listeners. This is like literally a lifelong dream come true to work hand in hand with the Red Wings. Wow, you're not kidding. That is quite literally the most sentimental I've ever seen you. I'm I'm the sap of the three of us. Like I'm yeah. constantly like being super emotional, like saying like things like, hey guys, like I know we've had a long week, like really proud of the work we've done. And you go, okay. And Evan goes, thumbs up. Or it might just be the inverse on <laughs> the chat. Like that, that's actually the interactions that we have. But no, that's and like the fact that Brad is is uh like I mean, speaking to his emotions so openly, like it, we really can't overstate how incredibly impactful this is for us like the, this is the response that you all showed was was so phenomenal like we knew you'd be excited and you know we did like a little tease on twitter uh but the outpouring of support and excitement and congratulations like we read every single message it means the world to us so thank you all and brad did allude to a very key point that i want to get to here a portion of the proceeds from every single ticket sold will benefit the jamie daniels foundation so that has been something that we uh have been excited to work in as well um it's for a great cause uh it'll feel good handing that check to uh maybe ken and lisa um, and then Chris from the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a good time all around. So as many of you who are able to come as possible, there are going to be, uh, there's going to be a discount on the tickets as well. Uh, we hope to see as many of you there as possible. Um, let's show the Red Wings just how big the, uh, the Dub Dub family is. And, and, uh, it'll be nice. And honestly, it's just going to be nice to see everyone again. So much more to come. Um, okay. Let's get into free agency talk. Um, follow uh, along on Twitter if you're not already. That's where you're going to get a lot of the details uh, at Winged Wheel Pod. Um, yeah, free agency talk. All right. Um, you want to? You want me to break some breaking news here that uh, just popped up on Twitter five minutes ago? That's not Red Wings related, but will absolutely kill a conversation that's been <laughs> that's been happening in Red Wings world forever. Did uh, Zach Wierenski get traded? Signed. Oh, for a long term and a lot of money in Columbus. Six years. Uh, I think the AAV is just over nine. Ooh, I didn't come yeah, cheap. No. no, so that might uh, temper Red Wings fans clamoring to get him into the Motor City. Just over nine. Is he? He's making more than Kale McCarr. Yeah, so it's uh, six years uh, AAV, according to Cap Friendly, is 9.58. I guess he's 24, so, you know, it's not going to take him to age 35 or anything, but wow. Wow. Okay. 
Well, that's one way to kick it off. Um, we'll talk about the Red Wings free agency specifically before discussing uh, the rest of the NHL. I, which I guess we talked about Mark Stahl last time. So it kicked off with Gustav Lindstrom. Um, Two-year deal. I think it was a one-way deal. So he makes more money this way. But it's um, 850000 a year for their depth right defenseman. He might end up being their seventh guy. He might end up being a healthy scratch some nights. But for the most part, you'll see Gustav Lindstrom probably on the third pairing. That's about as cheap as it comes. And it should come as no surprise because obviously the Red Wings protected him. In the expansion draft, he is part of their plans. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty basic and fit the bill as to what Eisman wanted. He knows the players he wants to keep, but he's not committing to anything long term or for massive money. So, I'm not sure, Brad, if you have anything more on Gustav Lindstrom. No. Yeah. Yeah, didn't think so. Uh, Kyle Criscolo uh, was signed afterwards on a two-way deal um, for very little money, seven hundred fifty thousand. That is a Grand Rapids signing. Similarly speaking, a uh, Taro Hirose was brought back on a two-way deal for uh, an additional year for eight hundred fifty thousand. So again, more so Grand Rapids might flip up and down uh, between the the pros and Grand Rapids, but it's nice to see Taco stay in the lineup. Good guy, lots of fun. Happy to see him stay in the fold. Yep. Can spot fill on the power play if there's injuries, which is perfectly fine. The same Gagne signing for me was the first one where I was, you know, pretty excited. I mean, pretty excited, relatively speaking. That that's going to age poorly in like four years when Detroit is like signing superstars and competing for cups, maybe, uh, or just starting <laughs> to get into that realm. And someone's going to pull up that clip and say, "Remember when you were excited about Sam Gagne being extended for eight hundred fifty thousand? Uh, but no, right-handed shot. And we've said in this podcast, I think Sam Gagne was underappreciated last year because he played his role, which was a depth veteran. Uh, I think he was surprisingly effective. Uh, I think he was very malleable in the lineup. I think he did a lot of things right. It just wasn't, he doesn't play a very flashy game. Thinks the game super well though. Like very smart player and is able to adapt, right? So um, he's not exactly the player he once was, but I thought he fit in well with the lineup. If you're going to sign veterans, this is a guy who's very smart, can actually mentor young kids and is likely the most likable NHLer. So yeah, happy to bring him back and solves a little bit of the right-handed shot problem. Yeah, there's that line every player hits where they're mentally still a a top-notch player, but physically they're not able to do it to the level they used to. And Sam Gagne is obviously at that point. Um, But he knows what his role is. He's fine playing in a depth lineup. He knows he's going to be a mentor. And the nice thing is he's still good enough that he can contribute uh, in at least a small positive way way he's not a black hole to the team he's not a black hole defensively he's not you know like somebody who's going to shoot out the lights offensively but he can still hold his own and contribute on a power play and direct traffic as needed so yeah he's the perfect depth piece for a roster spot in the middle of a rebuild what more could you want for eight hundred fifty thousand? And then I think the next signing thereafter was the Calvin Pickard deal, which came through, which again, uh, same as, you know, Hiroshi and the others, that is a, he's a 29, 30 year old goalie signed on a two way deal under a million. Uh, that is a Grand Rapids slash you're going to be called up when the Red Wings, one of the, either Nadelkovich or Thomas Grice are hurt. So, yep, yeah, that's pretty standard. One year. Yeah, that was a one year deal. Uh, Jordan Aust- Osterley, is that how you say it? 
I believe that I've I've heard Osterly the most over the years, so I'm I'm gonna go with Osterly. Osterly the mostly. Jordan Osterly was brought in um on defense. To me, this was, you know, not depth as in Grand Rapids, but I thought depth at, just to fill out the left side of the defense or someone who could play on the left side of the defense. Um, where he'll fit in, I think, just depends on any given night. The Red Wings have Nick Letty, Danny DeKaiser, and Jordan Osterley. So you might actually see Osterley as a second pairing left-handed defenseman at this point. Uh, two years, $1.35 million per year. Cheap deal. This is a guy who's played. He's a... You're not going to look up his stats or his metrics and see incredible outcomes here, but he's a very capable player. I think he moves the puck actually pretty well, uh, a little bit of a dynamic guy. And I don't want to say, you know, warm body like guy, like I don't, I don't want to minimize the player. I think that's a little bit reductive, but uh, he's filling in a need short term for the Red Wings. He's not m- meant to come in and be a game breaker. He's meant to come in and be competent. So I think that's what the Red Wings are getting here in Jordan Osterley. Yeah, because outside of Nick Letty, they don't have any sure bets on the left side of the defense. So there is probably going to be a rotation. I don't think there's going to be a set lineup on the left side, night in, night I out. Didn't say, uh, I didn't say Mark Stahl's name when I was listing them off. I don't know why. No, but, but yeah. Yeah. Which is what I was getting to. Between DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, and Jordan, Jordan Osterley, you have three bottom pairing defensemen. Every once in a while, one of them is going to outplay their slot like Mark Stahl did for a good chunk of last season and Danny DeKaiser did towards the end of the season. So when those guys are going, they're in the lineup. Osterley plugs out. If DeKaiser gets you know burned a bunch of times in a few games, he comes out. Osterley goes back in. And, and then we have that rotation so that way it's not catastrophic with no backup option. And let's be honest, some of these defensemen are going to get traded at the deadline, whether that's Stahl, Nick Letty, whoever it might be. And you're going to need guys there for after that as well. Um, ideally, some young guys will get called up to fill those spots if the games are no longer relevant, which, sad as to say, is probably going to be the case. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just depth. So now they have four NHL caliber-ish options on the left side, four better options on the right side. So now they have something to work with. And they have and Detroit lacks such depth at forward that it's probably going to make more sense for this team to carry eight defensemen and 13 forwards versus the traditional 14 and seven. So yeah, this is pretty much what I expected it to look like going into it. And then came the signing. Um, Some people were starting to think about, but I think all of us were really hesitant to just kind of push hard for it because a team like the Red Wings isn't going to be the most attractive play, place for free agents right now. Uh, not because of the, the physical location. No, Detroit's awesome, but legitimately because of where the team is. Uh, Pew Suter of Chicago, uh, who Red Wings fans will know as the guy who scored his first goal ever against them and then the next two to make it his first ever hat trick on the same night last year. Um, he was left unqualified by the Chicago Blackhawks. They have a log jam. They're doing some weird shit over there with their team in terms of, are you going for it? Are you just trying to save your job? Like what? (laughs) Anyhow, so uh, Pew Suter was kind of left on the outskirts and was left unqualified. So you now have a 25-year-old centerman who produced at nearly half a point per game in his rookie season. I think he got some Calder votes, who is now an unrestricted free agent. So I think all of us said when he went unrestricted, like, any team who needs top six help, help should be looking at Pew Suter. Any team. 
I, of course, figured and knew that, you know, Eisman and the Red Wings would look at him because anybody with a brain would think that. Because if you think, hey, I'm a team with no center depth behind Dylan Larkin, behind, besides maybe Joe Valeno, if he has a big year, um, and Michael Rasmussen near, like, closer to the bottom of the lineup, like, there's nothing there for a 2C. They can't keep bringing back Valtteri Filippo as a 2C. Um, I just didn't think that it would land. And lo and behold, the Detroit Red Wings get their answer at 2C in the short term. He signs for two years at $3.25 million a year in Detroit. That is Puce Suter. What's the downside to this contract? He he doesn't play well and they're stuck with a little extra cap hit for an extra year of a guy that's probably still going to be usable. Um, but the upside play here isn't nothing. Now, he's no lock to be a second line center. One, he's okay defensively, I'd say above average, uh, but he is an offense first guy. So who knows how that's going to mesh with Blashill's system. He put up good numbers in Chicago last year, but let's be clear, Chicago was playing a much more offensively inclined system, which gave him greater chance to succeed in that capacity. That being said, nobody was contributing offensively on Detroit, so he still probably would have been among the team leaders. Um, yeah, there's no risk, and there is upside here. He's 25, so I don't expect this guy to be you know, a core piece when the Red Wings are cont- contending. And even if the Red Wings contend relatively quick compared to expectations and Suter's still around, he's probably on your third line on a contending team. But it is a good bet. It's a younger bet and it's a cheap bet. This was the exact type of free agent signing we were hoping to see going into free agency. Find the youngest guy you can that has some upside and is going to be relatively cheap. And they found him. Like Pew Suter was like the poster child for that going into free agency. So the fact that they landed him is incredible because there was even a report that he was saying, hey, he's not going to sign with anybody on day one, he wants to take a few days to kind of mull this over. And then later that day, he signs with Detroit. He's like, oh, never mind. I guess they convinced him. Um, and then there's the fun connection. Uh, because what was it? The 2014 Guelph Storm, who were an yes. absolute powerhouse that year. Uh, they reunite their top line of Ravi Fabry, Pew Suter, and Tyler Bertuzzi. Which normally when you get three guys from the same junior team, it's kind of a pipe dream. To like say, oh, they can play on the same line together. But the way the Red Wings are built right now, that actually probably is the second line. Because you got to think Verona, Larkin, Zadina, first line. Like mm-hmm. I, I would think that would be the first line regardless of what was what's going on on the roster below them. But then you take the next best player at each position and it's legitimately Bertuzzi, Suter, and Fabry. Yeah. <laughs> so they could legitimately reunite that line from Guelph. There was highlight uh, clip of a game they had against London that year where Suter had a hat trick, Fabry had six points and Bertuzzi had seven points. <laughs> so they might have some chemistry. Um, and just very quickly, I, I hate doing this and you love doing it. So I'm going to dive into your world a little bit. That line, like you said, makes sense. Uh, Fabry, Suter, um, Bertuzzi, like I don't want to say chemistry carries over from junior into the NHL. Absolutely. But there's a proven history there. Larkin, Verona, Zadina. I mean, we saw the the chemistry and the the, the mind meld be, between Larkin and Zadina last season. And that was super promising. And, and if you remember something that we were very excited about. And so Verona and Zadina towards exactly, the end of the season. Exactly. Like that 
with with Larkin speeding around the ice and able being able to dish out the puck and Zadina firing it in and Verona doing a lot of everything as well. Like that's a top line that's a lot of fun. It gives Verona what he wanted, you know, over in Washington. Um, that gives him every opportunity to shine. And then you have, I mean, Suter between Fabry and Bertuzzi, that's that's gonna be a line where it doesn't matter if the team is schemed defensively. You now have six legitimately legitimate top six forwards is that the best top six in the nhl no of course not but it's perfectly serviceable it's you can look at that and say yeah there's no you know uh i i don't mean to dump on the guy there's no darren helm slotting up there there's no luke lendenning slotting up there there's no sam gagne having to you know play on the first or second line tonight like that's top six bertuzzi still has to sign and we'll get to that but yeah this is um i really don't care what the long-term outlook is in terms of making this team more stomachable, not just to watch, but for the young guys to play on and to build some, you know, winning mentality and remember that remember that they can play good hockey. I think Pew Suter goes a long way, specifically because all things going well, he'll fit in that two C slot. Yeah, and obviously we've been basically doing nothing but singing Pew Suter's praises so far, and for good reason. We are very happy and optimistic about this signing, but this does have to come with the context of he's twenty five. He's a half a point per game player. That's that's who he is. There's probably not a significant amount of growth to come from his game. Uh, totally fine. Yeah, and that's acceptable. Again, a half a point per game player put some wear on the Red Wings in scoring last year. Second, third. Like he's going to get a bigger role in Detroit. In all likelihood, um, he's going to get less help than he had offensively in Chicago. But he's coming into a very defensive system, so it should help that side of his game out so yeah is he an ideal number two center if you're trying to you know make the playoffs win games no ideally no could he be that guy sure it's a bit of a longer shot if he sticks around in the red wings when the red wings get good he's absolutely going to be a positive net player on the third line and be the guy who can plug in on a second line um so yeah i just this is exactly what we need right now this is exactly what we wanted i just there were some takes I seen thrown around on Twitter that were making Suter sound like we just signed like a potential first line center, which is <laughs> not unless Larkin gets hurt. <laughs> so just yeah, the the depth chart is very clearly Larkin one, Suter two, and then you can basically flip flop Valeno and Rasmussen. Me personally, I put Valeno there, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and that and that's what we've got. So that's what we got to deal with. Last three signings. Again, these are all going to be, you know, Grand Rapids slash maybe Detroit based on injuries. Ryan Murphy uh, was brought in. Brian Murphy was playing in the K, I believe, for uh, he was brought in on a one year contract, 800,000. I, I feel like I should talk about Ryan Murphy because I, I can expertly talk on Ryan Murphy because he played uh, his full junior career four years in Kitchener and he was my one of my favorite players to ever play for the Rangers. Um, he was drafted 12th overall to Carolina. I want to say 2011. So he's not young. This guy has the world of offensive upside. He is exceptional. I seen him score a five on three goal while playing for Kitchener, except he was the three. Um, just he, he was in the KHL, but then he came over and finished last season in the AHL uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights and won AHL defenseman of the year. So, if someone gets hurt, 
there is a reality where he plugs in and runs a power play. Is that likely? No. Is the defensive side of his game good enough to be at the NHL level? No. But Are but Grand it, Rapids fans going to have fun? Yep. He is going to be extremely beneficial in Grand Rapids for Jonathan Berger and Lucas Raymond, whatever young guys are going to be playing on that power play, Taro Hirose maybe, because he's he's his offensive upside is legit NHL quality. And his power play QBing abilities are legit NHL quality. So it's not like they're going to get, you know, whoever plugging in, whatever AHL depth guy plugging in to quarterback the power play they're on. They're going to get the NHL experience and then they're going to have to pray the puck never enters the their zone when he's on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> uh daniel renuff was brought in on a two-year deal 850 this is his second stint with detroit again grand rapids fans will remember him um 2016 2015 something like that that's when he played with detroit first and then the return of the legend uh luke witter witkowski detroit brings back some muscle obviously they lost some uh i mean dylan mcelrath left uh, among some other players so uh steve eisman is replenishing the cupboards a little bit for grand rapids here and then maybe detroit if someone needs a yeah, lesson taught to them looking at you jamie ben but yeah luke witkowski was brought back on a two-way deal two years seven hundred fifty thousand per year the holland michigan uh boy we're man I love Witter. I love having him in the organization. I'm pumped he's back. I'm pumped Evan has a new player to uh, to fawn over. That's a good one. Ideal depth. Uh, not good, so he's not a threat to take the spot from anybody who's actually good but can play anywhere in the lineup is your Jamie Ben deterrent. And if he has to go to Grand Rapids and help mentor the young guys, that's also perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay, so that's the Red Wings group still to come. The, the Red Wings aren't even at the cap floor, I believe. Something like that. Uh, they still have Tyler Bertuzzi, Adam Ernie, and uh, Jacob Verana as RFAs, all arbitration eligible. Those negotiations, I'm sure, are ongoing. And now that the UFA period has settled down, you're probably going to see more of a concerted effort. Philip Ronick also fits in that group, uh, not arbitration eligible, uh, according to Cap Friendly. Man, Cap Friendly could kiss the person who ran it who runs it people person who knows um okay the i'm not gonna say free agency is done for detroit because the moment we we hit uh post on this episode actually you want to know a very short story because i don't want to run too long here um i went out for my first social outing since this damn virus pandemic started i was on a patio having beers with a friend who i hadn't seen in person in two years and i see um my twitter notifications going nuts and then i see three messenger messages all very fast and i message in the messenger chat quite a bit you both don't do not and, <laughs> and i was like what happened and my phone unlocked and i just saw pewsuiter 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 i was like are you i just <laughs> sat down i just got here i'm at home all day i don't do anything else i'm literally i just live at home i work at home Sometimes I go outside for two seconds and I get scared. I come like we've been locked down forever. I what I was having. I had two beers, two beers, and five minutes in, I didn't even have a sip of my first beer. The Red Wings signed Pew Suter, so you're all welcome for that. <laughs> uh, major signings from around the NHL, as well as well, trades and things like that. Go ahead, Brad. Should we should we talk about those we lost first? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. 
Darren Helm, uh, one year, one million to Colorado. Again, very surprised. Um, not entirely sure what Colorado's doing with their offseason. And that's not a Darren Helm thing. That's like other stuff. But I mean, go good for Helm. I hope you go get another cup with Colorado. That's a cup favorite right there. One of my good friends is an abs fan. And as soon as the signing broke, he's like, uh, is he an upgrade on us losing Pierre Be- Edward Belmare? I'm like, no, absolutely not. This is a significant downgrade. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe it gives him more energy. They're not going to ask him to do much. So in a very, very limited sheltered role, I hope he does well. Oh, he will be very sheltered there, which is the best thing for him right now. Um, Luke Glendening to the Dallas Stars on a honestly, had he come to Detroit on that money? I would not have been mad at all. It was a two-year, what, $1.5 million deal? Yeah, 1.5 AAV. I th- I was certain he'd get more than that just because of how much old hockey men love Luke Glendening. I mean, we all love Luke Glendening. Who doesn't love Luke Glendening? Um, that was a contract that if Detroit had signed it, I'd have been perfectly fine with. Um, Detroit, I believe, actually offered him more than that. Close, uh, not just not quite two million, but closer to two million dollars. Yeah, he turned it down to go to Dallas, which would have been fine. Um, I'll get to the bigger point about why I I actually prefer the way this ended up. Uh, once we're done talking about those we've lost, but he he wants to win, man, and I can't blame the guy. If I'm Darren Helm or Luke Lindenning's age or. Jonathan Bernie's age, who we're going to talk about, the last place I want to be right now is Detroit. And that's nothing against Detroit. It, obviously, we love the Red Wings. We're, we're not winning a cup before these guys' careers are likely over. So, yeah, get out of here. Uh, Helmer and Luke both ended up in a place that could win the cup next year. I think Helmer's got a better chance. So, yeah, go go get it. There's been a, the, a mild amount of the discourse today was based around why are you sad? This is a good thing. Why are you sad? You know, these guys should be gone. The, it opens up roster spots. They honestly, this is overdue and like none of it's wrong, but there, this is sport. Sport is built around sentiment and emotion and, you know, fandom. And it is okay to see players who you've known and have played for your favorite team for a long time go. And it's okay to be sad about it and know that it's the right move. Coming into this offseason or coming into the end of last season, I was like, I hope that the Red Wings are able to trade one or both of Helm or Glendening and whichever one they're not able to trade, they go elsewhere because I think it was just time. And obviously that's what Eisman's doing. He's just turning over this team. He's clearing up those roster spots. He's bringing in veterans that are maybe a little bit more capable. Um, I think Glendening would have been perfectly capable, but like we said, he chose to go somewhere else, but you don't, those two things aren't at odds. You can miss the player and you can be you know happy and reminisce about the times they had and still know that it was the right move i mean we keep thinking about you know darren helms uh goal to send the red wings to the stanley cup finals in 09 to beat chicago we think about his shift in 09 against the shift against uh, chicago in 09 like that is uh, we that's the darren helm i'll remember I don't care about these last however many years. The whole team sucked this last however many years. That's the part of sports. So, yeah, I mean, unironically, all you Darren Helm fans, like, it's a – yeah, I I understand it completely. When uh, Gustav Nyquist got traded, that was my first, like, twinge of, like, oh, shit, man, rebuilds suck. Like, this one hurts a lot. So, like, I completely, totally understand. Yeah, and obviously, I sent out my tweet, like, 
Darren Helm has been one of my favorite Red Wings forever. That's why I hated the Darren Helm is elite jokes. You guys were ruining him for me. Um, but the, the large picture here is that it's needed. We've been making jokes about how the Red Wings are one of the oldest teams in the league for years now. And they're in the middle of a rebuild. And that's not what you want to see in a rebuild. What we've seen this week is the first true roster turnover where it's just not good players leaving like this is the torch being passed um not necessarily to the next generation but like guys who might still be here the next time the rings are good Giovanni Smith gets to replace Darren Helm uh Pew Suter gets to replace Luke Glenn Denning uh Joe Valeno should get to replace Valtteri Filppula. You know, Alex Ndelkovic is, what, six, seven years younger than Jonathan Bernier. Even though we're sad to see Bernier go, this is still a net positive for the organization. So that's four guys there who are gone, not coming back, and are being replaced by, quite honestly, younger and and better players. Um, And, you know, we'll see more mistakes this year, obviously. But that's fine. The Red Wings need a year like that where the young guys just kind of get thrown in, sink or swim. And even if they sink for part of the season, that's to be expected and and fine. Quite honestly, Shane Wright at the end of the tunnel isn't isn't the worst thing in the world here. So no, it's 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 good. I'm gonna miss the hell out of all of them. Valtteri Filppula, who hasn't been re-signed by the Red Wings, so I guess that, but he hasn't signed anywhere else that could stop. And he's one of my favorite Red Wings of all time. Love Luke, love Helmer, love Bernier. I'm I'm happy they're gone. I'm sad to see them go. Yep, perfect way to put it. And you pointed that out. If Philpola indeed doesn't get brought back by Detroit, uh, Helm leaving means that is the last of uh, anybody on the 2008 Stanley Cup winning team. So that hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, although when you go look at that roster and you see the names you have to scroll past, you're like, I can't believe this didn't happen sooner. And then you remember how, how young Darren <laughs> Helm was for that. Um, uh, Jonathan Bernier didn't get signed by Carolina, though they owned his rights. Um, got his money. $4.125 million a year for two years, which I think is a fair deal for both sides. Bernier got his money. Uh, New Jersey got a possible answer uh, or at least big, big help in net in Jonathan Bernier. Red Wings fans know who this guy is and what he can do. Uh, Bernie wasn't here forever. I could build him a statue for what he's done. It was very much shades of what Jimmy Howard did in the years where we were still pretending that this is a team that shouldn't be rebuilding. Um, and then when Howard faltered, that's where Bernie stepped in. But no, seriously, again, like it was sad to see him go. Nedeljkovic being brought in definitely made things, you know, a lot easier um better it's a net positive but still sad to see bernie go and and i'm rooting for the guy i have i don't care about the new jersey devils their success at all but now i want to see them win when he's in net there's a devils fan at my work and um i was at work with him when the contract broke he's like why the hell did we overpay jonathan bernie and i said you don't deserve him give him back and then I walked away. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's I, I I understand the metrics don't always look favorably and that they're supposed to account for like the control for how bad the Red Wings were. But I honestly think that it's 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 a little bit lost. Like I honestly think that it's not properly captured just how bad the Red Wings were and what that does to a goaltender. I swear. Like it, it, what Jonathan Bernie put up with was nothing short of incredible. <laughs> the how I eventually convinced him that it was a good signing is I literally pulled up 
the Red Wings roster from last year on my phone. I put it in front of him and said, look at this. And he's like, okay, what am I looking at? I'm like, Jonathan Bernier put up a 914 behind that. And he went, I get it now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah no I'm like, kidding. Yeah. You get it now. I'm like, are you happy now? He's like, yeah, that's probably actually a good signing. I'm like, enjoy. Treat yeah. him well. Um, and then, of course, Hicketts, Turgeon, McElrath all left. Um, so we'll see how things evolve with the Red Wings and otherwise as we move forward. Let's do some quick notes on the rest of the league. Um We'll be talking a little bit more about how the rest of the league's free agency will evolve uh, in the coming episodes as well. There's more draft talk. There's more free agency talk. But just for the sake of time here, we're just going to do some quick hits. So, Brad, I'm going to do my annual tradition of not having prepared a list of notable players and scrolling through and we'll say some stuff about them. So we talked about Kale McCarr. Uh, Sam Bennett, four years in Florida for 4.425. Too much. They'll love it in the playoffs, but uh, overpay beyond that. Yeah. If he, if that sample size holds, I think that's great. That, but that's just a lot of sample size, you know. Um, Joel Armia from Montreal, four years at three point four. I mean, you kind of knew that was going to happen. Uh, fine. Connor Garland. Hey, I have a lot of you know. I have a lot of jokes that I throw at Vancouver. Uh, Connor Garland, five years at four point nine five. I like that deal for them. I really Thank like you. that deal. If if you take out everything else they did in the last week, they're doing great just on that one contract. We'll we'll ignore how they got him. Ovi, five years, nine point five. This guy is going for it. He wants that record. This is him all in. He has to average thirty three goals a year to do it. Oh, I I am. I don't care how good or bad Washington is over the next five years. I am now fully invested in the Capitals. Hundred percent. I I want him to get this. I saw some Caps fans saying like they shouldn't. They should have brought that down a little bit so they could have gotten the team a little bit more help to contend. And I'm like, you know, that might be right. But if the team believes they're past their window, this guy makes you probably ten million in jersey sales a year. That's an exaggeration, but he to like financially speaking, he's worth that money. Um, and you just don't get players like him. Like players in him and Crosby's tier, maybe McDavid by the end. That's it. That's it. You do not. Washington fans won't see another Ovechkin in their lifetimes, most likely. So I'm all for paying the guy. Does it make the most sense? Who cares? Who cares? I want to see him break that record. Yeah, doesn't matter. Ovi's a capital. He's got to retire a capital. Gabe Landeskog, under the wire, eight year, $7 million a year, $56 million contract. I like this is one of those ones I hate the contract but I get it. They're in their window now. They could not afford to lose Landis Cox. So the back half of that contract is going to be probably a nightmare for them. But if they get their cup with him in the next four years, it's all worth it. And uh, that's going to be the theme with a few contracts you'll see. But yeah, yeah, a terrible contract, but it makes sense. And we are going to float through a few of these a little bit more quickly. Pavel Buchnevich, uh, four years in St. Louis, 5.8 million a year. I like that deal for them. Yep, not too much term, not too much money for a guy who can, who will succeed in their top six. This one feels weird. Peter Mrazek, three years, $3.8 million. Great contract. I hate that it's the Leafs. We texted Steve. Uh, you're going to love Peter. You're going to love Mrazek when he's hot. When he's not hot, he's going to fit in as a Leafs goalie. But when he's hot, you're, I promise you, you're going to love him. It's just one or the other at all times. Um, Ryan Getzlaff stayed in Anaheim. Nick Foligno <laughs> went to Boston and left Toronto, which I think is objectively hysterical. 
Um, Cody Cece to the Edmonton Oilers. Look, holy shit. Okay, I don't. I don't want to spend too much time on Ken Holland. I have to though. Just can you quickly read off everything Edmonton did? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just so I can, yeah. I can, I need to lump these together because, like, Edmonton I, has uh, signed Mike Smith to a two-year extension, two point two years old. Yep, Cody Cece four years, three point two five per year. Tyson Berry, Tyson Berry three years, four point five per. Um, okay, that's all right. Zach Hyman, seven times 5.5, and Derek Ryan, uh, two times 1.25. And I don't know if they've made trades recently that we haven't seen. They, yeah, they, they traded Ethan Bear for right. Warren Fogle because they signed Cody CC. Yeah. So they signed an older defenseman for more money who is far worse. I just, Ken Holland made this team older. That's about the only positive thing. That's not even a positive. That's about the only thing I can objectively say about what he did with the others. The Zach Hyman contract, I get. It's going to be terrible in the second half, but they have McDavid and Dreisaitl for three, four more years. This is their window. Whether or not they're a cup contender looking at that defense, they're absolutely not. But they have Dreisaitl and McDavid. So I get the Hyman contract. But he did such a masterful job of reworking their defense and somehow making it substantially worse. It was not a great defense last year, and it is so much like Duncan Keith and Cody CC are not your upgrades. They are significant downgrades. We're probably going to play top six minutes now and probably keep the Philip Brobergs and Evan Bouchards out of the lineup. I just he's repeating every mistake he made in Detroit that led to their downfall that led us to where we are now. He's repeating every single one of them and some new creative ones. He hasn't solved the goaltending issue. Miko Koskin and Mike Smith are just older. He signed Mike Smith for two years. Mike Smith is 39 and been largely bad for the last six years and had his one outlier really good season last year. Call me crazy. I don't think that's sustainable. Cody CC was terrible his whole career, had one half decent year on the best team in the North division. And you give him that contract. I just. I'm cutting you off, Brad. I, please do. I could rant about this for another hour. It's just. You with Ken Holland is like Evan with golf at this point. I Dougie. was his last hold. I was his last holdout. I want this to be known. I was the last guy in Detroit giving him every benefit of the doubt before it just got so bad I couldn't do it anymore. And now he's went to a good team and made it worse. Dougie Hamilton, the New Jersey Devils, seven times nine. I think that price might have come in lower before the Seth Jones contract. I think that boned them a little bit. But oh, it absolutely did because Dougie Hamilton's the better defenseman. <laughs> so Ryan, I think New Jersey did well here relative to the market. Yeah. Ryan Suter, four times 3.65, just makes me think Minnesota could have done a better job um, with that buyout, but that is what it is. Uh, there's some like mid level stuff that we can talk about on a different episode. Uh, Alec Martinez ended up staying in Vegas, which was cool. Blake, Go- Blake Coleman, six years at 4.9. Uh, oh, in Calgary. Calgary. No, that that's a bad contract for a depth player. And don't get me wrong. I understand on the Red Wings, Blake Coleman's probably a first line player, but money and term and Calgary, are they entering a rebuild? Are they not? Do they even know what they're doing? Just. That's got disaster written all over it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm calling it depth, but I get what you're saying. Patrick like he's Line objectively a. a good player, and he's probably going to be a second or third line player on Calgary. Not 
he'll play a bigger role than he had in Tampa. But uh, if just because he can play on the second line doesn't mean he's going to be good on the second line. He was great on a fourth line and good on a third line. So uh, <clears throat> that's going to be bad. Uh, Anti Ranta is Carolina's uh, part of Carolina's solution in net two years at two million dollars per year. Line A signed his qualifying offer at seven point five. To be expected. Cool. Um, the Kings brought in Philip Deneau six years at five point five. The team that has the world of center depth pay overpays for a centerman. I I really like Philip Deneau, and I don't think the contract in a bubble is all that bad. It's on the a little too much money and a little too much term, but not crazy. Uh LA wasn't hurting for centers, so I'm confused. I don't hate it. I understand what you're saying, but when you consider the impact that Philip Deneau had and he scored, what, one goal in the playoffs? Oh, yeah, I, he's good. I like Philip Deneau. He improves their team short term, but do we think the Kings are contenders short term? No, they're they not. Wanna be. They they're on the be. up and up, but like up and up means like three years at best. So you're getting... In your contender window, you're getting the bad years of that Deneau contract. So I I get it. I like Deneau, but I this is a classic. I like the player. I don't like the contract. I could see them being contending sooner than three years. If everything um, goes right, it's a hell of a bet. They like they need everything to go right. Do you think Cal Peterson can backstop them to a cup? Why not? You might have to. John Dingus from down the street backs up someone to a like, cup one time. Quite what honestly, was their mess up? I'm trying to remember who their defense are beyond Drew Doughty. Um, Braden <laughs> Point's contract, uh, eight years at 9.5. It's Braden, Braden Point. He's 26. You got to pay him that much. He wasn't being paid enough before in all reality. So uh, you got to pay, pay, what is it? Pay the Piper at some point. That's what it yep. is. Worth Tampa's the money. Tampa's going to be the, the LA Kings. They're in their window. They're paying all their guys to keep him around for the entirety of the window. And the last few years of that window are going to hurt. But it's worth it. They've already they've already got two cups out of it. Uh, Freddie Anderson is the other half of the goaltending tandem in Carolina. Two years at four point five. Um, Philip only Grubauer. they could have got someone like Nedeljkovic. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, L.A. re-upped with Athanasiu actually at one year, but at two point seven, good for him. It's amazing. He went to a good team and a coach who played him, and all his offense rebounded to where it was before that one bad season. Shocking how that works. Philip Grubauer to Seattle. I have a hard time ever pegging what Seattle's doing. Six years at 5.9, and then they proceeded to uh, trade Vitek Vanacek, who they claimed from the Capitals in the expansion draft, back to them for a second-round pick. Second or third-round pick? Second. Second-round pick. And I'm sure their asking price was way too high. Apparently, the reported asking price for a lot of teams was a first and a third to not take a player. So really, all Seattle did was capitulate to the market price too late. It didn't hurt them in this case, but it showed them that they could have had a lot more assets from the draft had they not played such hardball. But hey, Grubauer Drager is a hell of a goaltending tandem. I it's good, and after this week since the expansion draft, I think Seattle's better than we thought they'd be. Uh, they've got really strong goaltending, uh, really really good defense. Uh, they signed Jaden Schwartz to a somewhat reasonable contract, but. Man, they handed out more money than I would thought in free agency considering like, you know, cap savings, cap savings, cap savings was their whole motto. And then they're like, yeah, screw it. We'll throw a, we'll throw a lot of money around in free agency. So 
good. I'm happy they're going to be a, a decent team. That's going to be fun. But uh, in terms of philosophy, I have no goddamn clue what Ron Francis is doing. None. Zero. Okay. Uh, there are more signings and we'll chat about them. Um Another time, some big or some bigger trades. Uh, Chicago again, confusing team acquired Tyler Johnson and his contract five million a year and a 2023 second round pick in exchange for, uh, as Brad put it, the corpse of Brent Seabrook, Seabrook to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who dealt LTIR him. I can see how some people think it's a win win and that's fine. Um, I just think that good on Tampa Bay and Chicago. I don't quite understand it. I don't know if it's second. I get moving Seabrook's contract out, but yeah, a little weird. Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle that we talked about. Uh, I don't understand. Um, Vitek Vanacek, we we talked about that one. So Colorado, who lost Grubauer, obviously. Seattle signed him. Had to have an answer in net. And what they did was they acquired Darcy Kemper at uh, $1 million retained. So his salary is $3.5 million on Colorado um, in exchange for Connor Timmins, a 2022 first and a 2024 conditional third. Um, and they only receive that third if Colorado wins a cup in 2021, 2022, and Kemper plays in half of the playoff games. I like Dar- Darcy Kemper quite a bit. I think he's he might perform better than Grubauer did there once he gets settled in. Um, but those are some not insignificant assets to give up when I think you could have just paid your guy. I don't know. You're getting Kemper cheaper. I get that. And they have, they're, they're a really great team up against the cap, but that's a move by Sackick. It's not just that Kemper's good. The overpay or the, not necessarily overpay, but the heavy price Coupled with the fact that they just didn't pay Grubauer. Coupled with the fact there were a billion good goalies available on free agency. Like you could have had a goalie near or at Kemper's level without giving up a first round pick. I I don't know. Colorado has not had a good week. Like not at all. They lost a lot of key players, have not been able to replace them. And then the one that they were able to replace, they had to pay a pretty heavy price to do it. So... I get what they're trying to do. They just didn't do it well. All right. It is time for us to wrap this up and jump into our interview uh, with none other than Alex Nedeljkovic, Detroit Red Wings goalie, um, Calder finalist, leading the league in a breakout season in goals against average and save percentage, uh, and the first active Red Wing that we've had on Winged Wheel Podcast. So enjoy this interview with Alex Nedeljkovic. We are joined on the Winged Wheel podcast today with Calder-nominated uh, Alex Nedeljkovic and newly minted Detroit Red Wings goalie. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, it's been an incredible season that you just had, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First, what we want to hear about is walk us through your last four or five days. Uh, you know, How did you learn about the trade coming through from Carolina or or from Don Waddell, and and have you spoken to Steve Eisman or anyone in the Red Wings organization? Um, so it was it was kind of like out of the blue, like I've said before, it, I wasn't expecting it. Um, so it was it caught me by caught all of us by surprise, really. Um, but yeah, I just got a call from my agent. You know, said that Detroit was interested, and uh, you know they were looking to put together an offer and. We kind of came to an agreement on something and, you know, and then, uh, you know, Steve pulled the trigger and they were able to make a deal work. And, um, 
you know, that was about it. I found out on the, I got confirmation of it on the golf course. Um, so needless to say, I didn't really finish that round all that well, but, uh, um, you know, it was, uh, like you said, busy day, fun day. It was very exciting. You know, we were obviously very happy to, uh, to find out that Detroit was interested and, and, uh, we're going to give me a chance. So, um, it's very exciting. Um, I was just going to say, um, has, uh, like Steve Eisman or Chris Draper reached out to you yet? Um, have any of the guys who is the first kind of guys to text you? Um, I'm sure, you know, with your connections to Dylan Larkin, I'm sure there's some excitement there as well. Yeah. Steve was, uh, he was the first one to reach out. Um, but, probably 30 seconds after I got off the phone uh, with my agent, Steve gave me a ring and um, just, you know, said congrats on the deal. You know, we're excited to have you and uh, looking forward to, to getting to know you a little bit better. So that was really cool. Obviously he's, he was a great player um, and, you know, he's, he's doing a, a heck of a job right now as a general manager in the league. Um, you know, I spent what he did in Tampa and kind of the pieces that he's putting in place right now with this team uh it, you know you know the good things are coming and it's exciting and i'm hoping to be a part of it obviously uh for, for the long haul but uh you know we'll take it a year at a time for right now um but yeah as far as some of the other guys i work out with with a handful of them at the gym during the summers anyway so i was and i was golfing with a few of them too so um when the news came out you know they heard and just chatted a little bit there at the golf course and then the next day saw the rest of the guys and you know got a few texts here and there from a few other people in the area so it was uh it was pretty cool yeah i'm surprised to hear that you didn't have like a ton of adrenaline and drive like 450 on a par five or something after the golf course it's funny to hear what happens to your round after a trade yeah no we were it was a golf outing for the we were doing a golf outing for a gym and i'm not the best like scramble type player because i just try to grip it and rip it so that's when you start spraying it three fairways right or left and that's what was going on yeah that's my kind of golf evan's the pro i just i try to murder the ball every time you talked a little bit about the deal that came together and, and you mentioned that you were you're hoping to be in detroit for a long haul uh this two-year contract is interesting because you know it takes you directly to ufa status do you read this as a prove it deal after a stellar season that you just had in carolina are you basically just trying to show that this 39 game sample size is showing your true form as an nhl goalie I think so, yeah. Um, like you said, I've only played however many, like 30 some odd games. I'm in the league and kind of got off to a little bit of a bumpy start last year when I had a, like somewhat of an extended look, not even extended, just a handful of games. And then, you know, come out this year and play pretty well. Um, so there's been some up and downs and, uh, it's obviously like limited amount of games over like a pretty, I would say long time frame, you know, five being five years as a professional. So um, I'm just going to take it, you know, one year at a time, day by day, game by game, practice by practice. Like there's no sense in thinking about, you know, two years down the road, what's going to happen. Cause you know, you know, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors. Now you're not focusing on what you got to do today. And, and that's really kind of what's got me in trouble in the past when I've kind of gotten into some ruts or uh, some, some poor play is just not focusing on the here and now and, and worrying about myself and what I can do today um, as opposed to, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen the next day after that. So. 
Um, obviously, uh, Detroit is a little bit closer to home, uh, not only for you, but uh, with your wife also going to Michigan State. Um, how excited were you to find out that, you know, you're, you're going to be closer to sort of your, your social sphere? And um, yeah, sort of, how did that feel? Yeah, very exciting. Um, like you said, Michigan's been home for the last few years, almost for the last 10 years for myself, uh, especially in the off seasons. And then my wife, we've been living up here for probably four or five years together. Um, and it's, it's just going to be exciting now to finally be, be around full time and be together full time. You know, during the year, she wasn't going to be able to come down, uh, to Carolina, obviously, if that's where I would have been. So it would have been tough, but. To, to be able to stay in one place now, not have to worry about packing things up and packing up my truck and driving 10 hours and, and you know, moving into a, a hotel for a day or two and then moving into an apartment and worrying about all that kind of stuff. Now it's just like, it, it's going to be weird for, honestly, for a bit because it's like, usually by after Labor Day, uh, I'm headed out on the road and getting ready to go to camp. And now it's like, all right, you just kind of stick around and just keep going to the gym and keep skating around here, you know, for a few more weeks. So, um, but yeah, we were, everybody was very excited. My parents are, you know, back in Cleveland, my family's back there. So it's a much shorter drive than, than Raleigh, you know, I'm sure they'll be up here for a handful of games. Um, and then same thing with, uh, with Emma's mom, you know, she's just, just a few hours across the border. So it's a pretty easy drive for everybody. Uh, I want to ask about your your career coming up through Plymouth and obviously Charlotte. But first, I need to ask, you know, with your wife being at MSU and you being from Ohio, are you a Spartans fan or are you an Ohio State fan? No, I'm an Ohio State fan. Oh, well, I need you to know I asked that question as a Michigan fan. So that one hurts. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not none of that. There's none of that going on in the house. She's got her green scrubs for for nursing that she needs. And and that's the extent of. Michigan <laughs> theme in our house. There's a lot of Michigan guys in your locker room now. You're gonna have a, gonna be a little bit of rivalry. I've been dealing. Don't worry. It, it, I've been dealing with it for a long time, and you know, until they start winning some football games here or there, it's like I'm All not right. too threatened by it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I opened us up to that one. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you how you even started playing goalie. Like, I know with my buddies, it was always sort of the position that nobody really wanted and it was just somebody's like all right i'll play it was that the same sort of scenario for you or did you always have an affinity to to playing goalie and did you realize you were you know better than everybody else at it well i actually started playing a little bit later than i think most kids most guys maybe you'd say that are that are professionals like i i didn't start skating until i was probably six years old um and then i started playing goalie i think when i was about seven and it just was like I kind of gravitated towards it. You know, I saw, I saw like a goalie school or a goalie clinic going on at the rink one day. Wanted to try it out. Told my dad I wanted to try it out. And they got me a set of pads and it, it just stuck. Um, and I didn't want to do anything else. So it kind of made, uh, made that decision a little easier. So, you know, Red Wings fans are going to be pretty familiar with you. Uh, you had playing time with the Plymouth Whalers and then you also had, uh, some time with Flint. Um, your your career, like you mentioned, uh, you you took not a long path, but you definitely went through your paces. How did it feel last season to break through? Um, 
at 24, 25 years old and have a Calder-nominated season in which you led the league in goals against average and save percentage. And you were near the top as well in, in goals saved above expected and a bunch of other metrics. Um, like, uh, there, there's a lot of emotions. Um, like you said, it kind of, kind of took a while to, to break in. And, um, I think that's like one of the biggest things is there's so many guys, you know, throughout the world that, that have the same skill, skill set or not the same, but like have the skill set to, to play in the NHL or to play at a very high level. But a lot of times it's just like getting that opportunity. You know, there's a lot of people out there that don't get the opportunity to, uh, to ever make an impression or, or show what they can do at a high level. And that's just, that's what it takes for, I think a good handful of guys. That's what keeps them in, in the minor leagues and what allows guys to, uh, to succeed and have a career, uh, in the NHL is just getting an opportunity to play. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was pretty frustrating. Um, these last few years, I thought I was doing pretty well in, uh, in the American league and, you know, trying to earn a chance. And, you know, I, nothing's like, you know, you don't ever want anything to come easy. You want to try to, I always try to think like you should earn everything you get and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, it just, it wasn't, things weren't going that way. And, uh, obviously this year it didn't start out the way I wanted going on waivers and, uh, you know, being the third guy kind of is what it is. And, but an opportunity came up, obviously, Peter, you know, sucks that Peter got hurt. You don't ever want to see guys getting hurt. And, and that's how you, uh, you know, you have to take a job away pretty much, but that's the opportunity that I needed and finally was able to capitalize on it and uh, just run with it for a bit. So hopefully now coming in and, uh, you know, just seeing where the team's been at, you know, what's I think a good opportunity for me to personally play a lot of games, but um, also to really try to help and turn this thing around and get these guys back on the right track and the winning track. And, you know, not to stick around on Carolina too long, um, I just want to know, were you surprised at all when when uh, negotiations got a little bit difficult? Well, I mean, I shouldn't say a little bit difficult after the season that you had. Was that something that uh, you weren't expecting maybe? I didn't No, I, I honestly, um, you know, wasn't super surprised at how things like at how slow they were going. Um, you know, I like. You know, people like there's so many people out there that are saying arbitration this or the team did this or we did that. It's like there's so much, so much going on behind the scenes that people don't know and they don't realize. Um, from both from both sides, not even just whatever the team side, but from our side as well, and what we wanted and what the team was wanting. So you never get the full story really unless you sat both of us or everybody that was involved in a room and you know you spit it out. But um, I'm, I'm not going to go much deeper than that. Like I said, like we knew. We kind of expected it to be a slow process, um, uh, but obviously didn't expect things to, to kind of land where they were. But like I said, we couldn't be happier with how things turned out. I know Ryan said uh, we weren't going to dwell on Carolina, but I wanted to talk about the draft day because I'm always interested in what guys are thinking uh, during that time. Uh, you were taken in 2014, I think 37th overall. Did you have an inkling of where you might go in the draft in terms of 
where like the number you'd be picked um and did you have any inkling that it would be carolina or were you just sort of happy to to get picked um well i know at, like around that time they weren't really like that was about a time where even now like goalies it's not really like teams aren't very willing to take guys in the first round um i think these last, the last two years that you know last year they had that russian kid and then Obviously, Kosa going this year to the team, and uh, that Swedish kid went a little bit after him. Um, so it's kind of like creeping back in a little, like a little bit lately. But at that time, it really that was kind of like the start where it was like you don't draft goalies in the first round. Um, and then so kind of figured it was going to be a day two thing. And uh, sure enough, I think three of the first seven picks were you know we were all goalies. I think McDonald went thirty fourth. I think Thatcher went 35th and then, uh, obviously Carolina picked me 37th. And, um, I kind of had, uh, a good idea. I think if, if I fell there, if I fell to Carolina that I'd be picked, uh, Mike Bellucci, obviously at the time was an assistant GM with the team and he was my head coach in Plymouth my first two years. And, uh, just, I kind of had some connections there. He really liked me and, um, I think I had a really good interview with them and things went well with them at the, the combine. So. Um, you know, I was kind of maybe hopeful. I went a little earlier just at the time being a little naive and was like, I wanted to go as high as possible. But, uh, uh, you know, at the time was really happy and excited to, to be going to Carolina. Well, uh, you spoke of the draft and obviously the Red Wings took Sebastian Costa this year. Uh, and you're also coming into a situation with, uh, Thomas Grice, uh, in the locker room as well, who, who handled a, a good amount of games last year. Um, What's it like for a goalie uh, to come into a situation where there's someone else in the room uh, and, and you had the same thing in Carolina who, you know, they're going to get a solid amount of games. Is, does that fuel the competition? Uh, I just kind of want to get in your head and what's that dynamic like for goaltenders? Yeah, I think it, I think it kind of has to, I mean, I think it's important to have a pretty good relationship with the other guy. I mean, you're, like you're really the only two that know what's going on, you know, in each other's heads most of the time and most nights, right? Like nobody else in that locker room knows what it's like to be in our position. So um, I think it's important to obviously have a good relationship. He actually, he was one of the, the first guys to reach out to me actually, um, you know, and say, you know, congrats, happy to have you and looking forward to meeting you kind of thing. So uh, looking forward to meeting him and getting to, meeting him and getting to, to work with him on the ice and get to know him better. Um, and yeah, like I don't, I wasn't coming in here fully expecting like, you know, it's my net or anything like that. You know, I, I know I'm going to have to come in and earn it. Just like I said earlier, like you have to earn everything that you get. Um, so, you know, I know I have to come in and come in in shape at camp and, uh, you know, do well on the ice and, um, you know, just play my game. That's what's gotten me, to this point right now, that's what's made me successful and, uh, you know, don't really plan on changing much. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you next about was um, what is success going to look like for you uh, next season stepping into a new team and a team that's not nearly at the level that Carolina is uh, currently at. Um, so I'm sure expectations maybe are a little bit different based on the team. But, uh, yeah, I'm just wondering what maybe your personal expectations are for yourself and what would be a successful season. Well, I think from just from like a, a team standpoint, from the guys in the locker room, it's like 
you know, everybody knows where, where they were at last year and how they finished the season, but you don't ever go into a year like with low expectations. You know, I think everybody, or at least I, I believe you should go into a year with high expectations and that's obviously make the playoffs and then have a deep run and, and contend and win a Stanley cup. Um, otherwise you're just wasting valuable time and, and being in the greatest league in the world. So um, it obviously doesn't work out that way. Uh, obviously worse for some than others, but um, you know, I think that's how as, as a team we should be going into the year is, is having setting a high bar for ourselves, you know, having high standards and uh, just going out there. And if we, you know, we win more games and we lose, that's great. You know, if we're not, we're not at that level yet, we're not at that point yet, then, you know, it is what it is. Um, but we can't kind of like accept that, you know, we have to just keep working and getting better and, and, and driving to, to get to that goal that we want to be at. Um, so going into like a personal, like personal expectations, it's to give the guys the best chance to win every night. Um, you know, whether, whether we win games one, nothing or five, four, you know, like it's, it's about winning games. And obviously you don't want to have a lot of five, four games, but, uh, um, you know, the more nights that I can get up, get us in a position to win and, and just kind of keep us in games sometimes, you know, that's great. And there's going to be nights where the guys have to bail me out. Hopefully not too many, but, uh, that's the nature of our position is, is being there every night and covering up some mistakes and occasionally, you know, making a few saves you probably shouldn't and keeping the guys in a game. Are there any players or I should say goalies that you kind of idolized growing up and that maybe you've modeled your game after, or at least think about when you, you try to model your game after them? Um, I, I think the biggest thing, like, that I've tried to model something after would be like puck handling. I don't, it's not really like modeling about it. It's just, I grew up watching a lot of Marty Brodeur and Marty Turco, Ron Hextall, like those guys, they, they played the puck so much and they did it so well. Um, and that was like something that really kind of caught my eye and I really enjoyed doing growing up as a kid. Um, and, and you didn't really see it a lot. So it was something that stood out, but then my, it got to a point where I, was so eager to do it and like liked doing it so much that I was like overdoing it and I was just do like doing things to do things like I would just go out stop the puck and like throw it back up the wall for no reason like when there's a simple simpler play to be made so it kind of like my dad had to kind of sit me down and be like look it's great you want to do it but you have to do it with a purpose you know like you can't be throwing pucks off the glass like just just because you're trying to you know, sauce a puck four feet in the air, you know, instead of just trying to make it pass on the ice. So, um, watching those three guys, you know, how they handled the puck and how they made things so much easier for, for their defense and for their forwards was something that really stuck out to me. Um, as far as like the rest of my game though, it's like, I try to take little bits and pieces from everybody. I think that's how you really have to be successful. And, and ultimately like, you know, what, what's comfortable for yourself and what you have to do um in terms of like your fundamentals and things like that but there's i think little bits and pieces you can see like in, in guys games that you can kind of take and and try to to add to yours and that'll help make you a little bit more efficient um and just make life a little bit easier for you potentially i mean you talked about your puck handling so you know what i have to ask about march 11th 2018 or maybe i think it was march 10th 2018 uh in the ahl with the charlotte checkers you scored 
What was that like? What's that like for a goalie? And what was that moment like for you? Uh, well, uh, that was obviously really special, but that was the second one. The first one I scored New Year's Eve, uh, um, my rookie year, the year before that in uh, Florida, or that was in Atlanta when I was playing with Florida. Um, right. Both nights were, you know, really special. I think the, the one in Charlotte stood out a little bit more just because we were at home. Um, so, you know, I got to do it in front of the home crowd and, uh, I was having a little bit better of a season that year. Uh, my rookie year didn't, wasn't really doing too well, um, in terms of production and, and, uh, and wins and things like that. So it was kind of like, that was maybe like one of the few lone bright spots of the season. Um, but that the one in Charlotte was just, it's incredible. Like I said, I watched, you know, Broder and, uh, Turco or not Turco, um, Hextall both scored goals in their careers, multiple goals. So, um, you know, for me to be able to do it, uh, in the minors was awesome to be able to do it in the two different leagues was great. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm itching at the opportunity to, uh, to get it done, uh, up here now. Well, the Red Wings fans are always asking more for more production from the back end. So if you can, that would be uh, fantastic. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, um, is uh in your off in the off season are you the kind of guy who gets right back on the ice do you take some time off are you more of a gym guy who then gets on the ice later like how do you approach the off season yeah i i probably would be more of a gym guy and then take a few like a few weeks off i haven't been on the ice since uh since we lost to tampa there um so going on almost two months um i think i think it's important especially especially with how this year played out, we played so much in such a little time, such a little amount of time. Um, you got to let your body kind of reset, you know, take a little bit more time going to the gym, build, build that muscle back up that you lost during the year. Um, and just mentally too, like refocus and recharge. Uh, it can get pretty, pretty draining and exhausting. Just getting up, going to the rink and, and getting hit in the head, getting hit in the body with pucks like day after day, you know, like it's a lot, uh, not even physically, mentally, like I said. So to, to kind of, you know, get away from the rink for a few weeks, not have to worry about getting dressed and getting on the ice and, and going through a full warm up and just making like, you know, warming up takes about 20, 30 minutes to just, just to get ready to get on the ice and then get on the ice and you go do another 10, 10 15 minute warm up out there so uh it can get a little exhausting sometimes but um you know like i said that's what i like to usually try to do that first part of summer is uh the first part of the off season is just kind of hit the reset button get back in the gym and uh actually this week i'll be getting back on the ice now nice yeah i think it's super important to kind of you know let your brain reset let the body reset and then get back to work um <clears throat> last thing i wanted to ask was uh you know what kind of who are you in the locker room are you the the dj are you the the quiet guy nobody likes to talk to before games or are you the guy trying to lighten the mood trying to crack some jokes uh trying to crack those serious guys to see if you can get a smile out of them well i'm definitely not the dj uh I, i'll stay away from that um i'm pretty laid back honestly like like i said i i I really try to enjoy enjoy as much as you can coming to the rink. Like, like I always say, like it, it, at the end of the day, it's a game, and it, it 
now it's as much a business as it is a game, obviously with, you know, the amount of money that owners spend and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, on game days, like when we get to the rank, I, I usually get to the rank like three hours early on game days, but it's mostly just like, I'm just kind of there and, and just taking everything in, you know, relaxing, and enjoying, like talking to whoever's there, the trainers that, the, that are there, the guys that are there, like I'm pretty easy going. And obviously when you get closer, it kind of amps up a little bit. Um, but like, I don't see, like, I hear, I don't really hear a lot of like guys, they'll play soccer, they'll play sewer ball before games and stuff, especially if they're playing. Like, I'm one of the last guys to play, like, to leave the, the, the circle, honestly. So whether I'm playing or not. So it's like, that's just kind of like how I've always tried to go about it. It's like, if, if I get too amped up and I'm thinking too much about it and like really trying to like, zone in yeah I, I just end up overthinking things and and uh i'm doing more harm than good so um there is like uh there is a certain level or you know of like seriousness it get, it comes down to right like um you know when i'm doing a few things a few hand eye coordination drills and things like that and getting out in warm-ups like track and pox it you know i i kind of tighten it up a little bit but um for the most part it's just enjoying it like we get to play a game every day uh, as a career. You know, not many people get to do that. So try to, like I said, try to enjoy it as much as you can and uh, just take everything in. Do you talk to your posts? I don't talk to the posts, no. I'll give them a little tap here or there, uh, you know, if they help me out. But I, I don't talk to it. All right, last question here. It's a it's a fan question from uh, Arjun Shankar. He's a big supporter of the show. Uh, are you going to wear 39 in Detroit? Yeah, that's the awesome. plan. Perfect. All right. Alex Nedeljkovic, Red Wings goalie. Uh, Alex, we really, we really look forward to watching you this season. And, uh, I mean, hey, just going out there and having fun would be a blast. But if you can get that goal for us while we're all watching at the LCA, that wouldn't be bad either. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And like I said, I'm itching to do it. So, you know, that's the first thing that pops in my head. If we score first, that's the first thing that comes into my head is like tonight's the night. So. <laughs> So, you know, I'll we'll we'll do it. Like, keep on your, be on your toes. We oh, will. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Alex. Until next time. Thanks, guys. And that was our interview with Alex Andelkovich. Uh, best of luck to him on scoring that goal. It's hilarious to know that he's scored two and he's itching to score another one. The moment we get a one nothing lead, that's the first thing I think about. That is an amazing attitude for a goalie to have. So, uh, again, our only request to Alex was that he does it in, at the LCA. Hey. Maybe you uh, you do it on November 13th, Alex. Wouldn't be bad. All right. We're going to jump into overtime uh, on this midweek episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Overtime is brought to you exclusively exclusively by Patreon supporters. It's our way of saying thanks. Uh, Andrew Bohan uh, references Karen Horner. Uh, in big incident in Formula One. Hey, if anyone wants to get in, I'm sure next season of Drive to Survive is going to be wild. Uh, Devastated says, it's been a long day without you, my friend. I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. I'm sure that's a Darren Helm sentiment right there. Revan Lobsaber says, end of an era with Helm and Glennie leaving. I'm not crying. You're crying. Uh, Cody Geyer says, uh, longtime listener, first time patron. How much longer until McDavid and Dreisaitl want out of Edmonton? And will Detroit be competing then? Forever dreaming of a scenario where Stevie adds one of the two. And when that happens, uh, Lord Stanley books a few trips to Hockey Town. 
I, I don't know. It's going to be tricky because I, I think Fogel and Hyman legitimately make them better this year. And if Mike Smith doesn't fall apart, I would not be surprised even with the downgrades on defense to see Edmonton at least replicate roughly what they did in the regular season last year. Um, long term, they're screwed. So I think McDavid's probably got two years before he's like, yeah, get me out of here. Um, Colorado 14 says for Ryan to complete when Buffalo wins the NHL draft lottery in April of 2022, Brad's reaction will be unsustainable rage. <laughs> That'll be it for Brad. Uh, Emily Escuri says, who do you think, uh, who's a new patron, I believe. So thank you, Emily, uh, says, who do you think will wear the A with Glenn Denning signing elsewhere? And I would have thought Bert for sure before, uh, Everything went sideways with the... I shouldn't say it's going sideways. We don't know, but... Uh, Nielsen might not even play that many games, so we might see two new assistants this year. I, I'm going to assume Letty. he plays... Hmm? Letty or Stahl, I think, would be my guess here. I would go with Bertuzzi and Stahl. That's who my gut's telling me. Uh, Jake Bloom says, out of all the things Steve has done so far as GM, what are the top three moves that you predict will have the greatest long-term positive influence? Players drafted, trades, signings, etc. Are we talking what could or likelihood of will? Like predicted that will. And that literally has to be the draft picks. That honestly has to be Edmonds and Cosa Raymond in my mind. There's nothing else here that, that qualifies. Yeah, so th- that's the easy answer. I'll say if we want to get a little more moves he's actually made. Um, I'll go Mantha trade, Nedeljkovic trade, and then trying to think between free agency and other trades he's made. Maybe the Fabry trade, because even if Fabry doesn't stick around, he could be a pretty expensive rental for a team, which could play for the Red Wings long term. Uh, Vincent Saladino says, Hey boys, I'm pretty happy that Witter's back. Uh, I know he doesn't move the needle, uh, but he's a good heart and soul guy who will beat your face in if you mess with his teammates. Do you see him playing defense of the wing? I don't know, whatever Detroit needs him. Probably lefty based on the age and need there. Uh, also, Ryan, you accuse me of being paid to say nice things about you guys last time, which is totally not true. And Brad is totally not paying me right now to say this. Anyways, keep up the great work and stay fresh. Mohit Sider says, did you see uh, Sider's interview? Uh, he was asked what number he'd be wearing in Detroit, and he confirmed it'll be 23. Uh, and it was because of Herbie the love bug, which I thought um, was it a hysterical answer. Sider's going to be such a fan favorite. Herbie the love, love bug is why he chose number 53. Uh, it's the best answer imaginable. Lars, the prophet of the Tower and Behemoth, says, hello, sir, strumming lovers. Would you say that there's a chance the Yotes 2021-2022 season is worse than the Red Wings in 1920? And can the Sabres threaten the Yotes in the race at the bottom? <laughs> They're giving it a shot. It's funny that it's going to be Buffalo and Arizona again, because these were the two teams going nuclear in the McDavid-Eichel draft. Like, if you ever needed proof that going full nuclear in a rebuild doesn't always work, here we go again. Um, Lars, oh, sorry. He continues to say, I saw that Brad was happy that we signed local hero Murphy, who played for the KHL for Neftchimik Nizemkonsk. Uh, he just gonna, he's gonna make me say that name a hundred times. Piss off, Lars. Helmer Highwater says, I know it's been addressed. Um, and I try to remember myself that hockey Twitter is a vacuum, not the real world, but, uh, all of the, uh, bunch of number 
NHL bunch of numbers supporter supporters supporting D'Angelo and Mayu events makes me equal parts angry and depressed. Hockey is such a great sport and I hate how far behind so much of the management and a decent chunk of fans are and not being total pieces of garbage. Uh, Helm going to Colorado to sabotage the abs from the inside. Truly elite move. Um, with some forward spots for the taking, what prospects do you think have a good chance to earn a role on the wings? Valeno? Berggren? If we can't. If we're counting Valeno, yeah, I don't even think Bergeron. Bergeron's the type of guy, he's top six or he's not going to be of much use in the NHL. So I think they'd I think rather have a shot, though. I think him and Raymond are going to get honest shots in camp. They're, they're going to be given every opportunity to play their way on to the team. I don't think it's super likely unless there's some injuries because. Even if the Red Wings don't trade or sign anybody else, you can pretty much have a pretty good idea of what their opening night roster is going to look like now. You can comfortably write out four lines and a couple extras. Um, but yeah, if we're not counting Valeno, I'd say Raymond or Bergen are the only two, even with a chance. Uh, snarky comments aside, I appreciate you, dude, so much, and so excited of having a winged wheel podcast event at the LCA. Moving six hours away and haven't been back in Motown since the last year of the Joe, but I'm gonna have to plan a trip once the date is set. Antonio Gracia says, "What a, c- a crazy couple of days with rumors that Seabrook and Flurry might retire. Uh, we didn't even have a chance to talk about the Flurry trade. Uh, even though they're being traded, how does that work? Does that come up in negotiations? Would a team trade assets for a guy that might not even make it to the locker room? Chicago took a gamble." He, they took a gamble and if flurry retires he screws them so i say he should retire um justin whitmer says congrats on the success uh you guys have had hopefully i can t- attend the pod wing wheel podcast night at the lca what do you think verona's contract comes in at it seems like uh even with signing Hironic bertuzzi ernie and verona will barely be over the uh cap floor i think if Stevie thinks Verona's in the at least somewhat long-term plans. His contract will probably be slightly a slightly cheaper version of what he gave Mantha. That'd be fantastic. Um, Patrick Madreski says, I think we all saw the Lucas Raymond comment about coming to North America, and I got to say that was cold as ice. Love the confidence on the kid. There's a lot to look forward to in the next season or two. As Wings fans, Cider, Valeno, Raymond, and Berggren all pushing for spots. Frank the Tank says, hey, guys, with free agency upon us, let's fast forward to uh, July 1st of 22. Detroit just got another top 10 pick the week earlier. However, Barkov is there at 26 years old and a UFA. He just so happens to meet with Stevie. Um, given the contracts coming off the books, is it this the time to go after a high-profile player? If Barkov is a free agent, you absolutely go after him. I would happily give Barkov an eight-year deal or seven-year deal. Happily. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm normally very anti throw a billion dollars around in free agency, but when truly elite players come available, you have to make a pitch because it's impossible to get elite players. So if you have to give Barkov 11 million a year, 12 million a year, and that's 2 million over what he's worth, however you want to quantify that, you find a way to make that 2 million work somewhere else on the roster because it's still worth it because again people were laughing at the rangers who were in the middle of rebuild throwing all the money in the world at artemi panarin nobody's laughing at that contract now so no yeah i i would absolutely be all in on barkov if i could be you're stingy now and you're flexible now so you can do that shit in the future people are like you can't have a good deal good uh, value on every contract no you can't 
So you overpay on the ones that are worth it, like Barkov. Uh, Jordan Wall says, what's up, Dub Dub Boys? Migrated uh, over to the pod uh, after Max and Prashanth came off the air. Uh, became a Patreon supporter this week and just got my first season ticket package this summer. So I'm super excited to get even more involved in the Red Wings community. Jordan, thank you so much for the uh, support and uh, welcome to the Dub Dub family. Question is, if the Wings had to come up with an alternate uniform set with no red, what would you want to see? My first two thoughts are something like uh, that looks like the Hockey Fights cancer jerseys in that black and lavender. And maybe something in gray to look similar to a Pistons edition jersey. Let me know what you think. Black? Man, no, no red is tough. <laughs> oh, Elite Darren Helm says Michigan maize and blue. That's actually, I would love that as a novelty jersey. And it would piss yeah, off the state fans. <laughs> exactly. You'd have to keep it some somewhat relevant um you know they're they're a factory of sad but a hockey jer- a hockey version of the lions jerseys there's some potential there yeah i guess they are a factory of sad matt s says i'm I love not all- talking about the like you know we're gonna take the talent level of the lions over to the hockey side just the look just the aesthetic yeah. ryan yeah uh matt s says love all the signings the wings had a free agency excited for suitor uh i'm sad to see glennie go wish him nothing but the best in dallas can't wait for the meetup at the lca i'll for sure sell my season tickets for that game so i can hang out with the dub dub crew hey we appreciate that man update on weight loss down 15 pounds since the new year hell yeah keep it going buddy we're on your side, Matt. I got to catch up to you. Keep up the good work as always, Dub Dubs. Evan Feats guy, Lob Singer. Okay, so quick story. Evan said he's a big fan of Feats in the Olympic and that that account. That's that- where that came from. I was so confused when I saw that uh, a tweet from that account in my mentions. Oh um, my God, I w- that was disturbing. Says, hey, where are all the feats? I mean, feats. On a more serious note, Brad slash Ryan, which RFA slash UFA re-signings that didn't happen are you most disappointed by? I None. I don't. Ab- absolutely none. Zero. Bobby Ryan. Yeah. Bobby Ryan, maybe. But even then, I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, also, I blame Rob Kopshow for personally driving the ultimate Darren Helm from the organization to blood rivals, the Colorado Snowballs. Uh, it stops the jokes. I'm ha- I will happily take full credit for that. Definitely not a Huckleberry, says Dominic Turgeon and Joe Hicketts both picked up by Minnesota. But why? Seriously, though, what did you th- think of those two? I like both, but Stevie likely figured best to cut our losses and move on. Uh, Turgeon never showed much in the looks that he got with Detroit, so that's whatever. I, I like tickets. I thought he actually did show well when in his recalls with the Red Wings, and I'm, I was always surprised he never got more of a look than he did. I thought he earned it. Uh, C Rose says, Hey guys, free agency has been fun. I'm really stoked. Uh, we signed Suter. Why the F with Chicago? Let him walk. I'm in such Red Wings withdrawals. I just grabbed a case of Labatt. Cheers. Let's go, Red Wings. I mean, log jam. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Uh, Max Lightman says, Gavin Bayreuther. I can't. I just can't. You're good at Galaxy Brain Thinking. Can someone help me figure it, figure it out? Seattle only had 30 picks. Um, Seattle set the bar way too high in terms of their trade values. I can't figure out the Gavin Bayreuther pick at all. I think it's that they wanted no one else from that team. And so they took someone that they could just throw away. That's the answer. I think in their post-expansion draft episode, I said that was the equivalent of just saying pass. And that's what it ended up being. Asher Killian says, I can't wait to come up for to Detroit for Windwheel Podcast Day. Congrats on that. 
Can't say I'm in love with the Iser plan at the moment, especially for the 21 draft. I love the idea of just accumulating as many picks as possible given the scouting crapshoot and then basically trade them all away instead of taking the lottery ticket seems questionable. Do you think it was worth passing up on so many picks? Finally, I'm so pumped for the mega impact free agent signing today. Witter is back, baby. Can't wait to see him eat those bottom line minutes and grit dudes right in the face. Um, I didn't love the value of the trades and and obviously hindsight's 2020 so we couldn't have known but seeing Wallstead fall into the 20s it did kind of sting thinking that yeah you could have probably hopped up there for a fourth round pick so I Heinz in hindsight it wasn't great but I'm also a big believer in get your guy so the Red Wings were clearly very high on Kosa if they didn't think he was going to be there at 23 go get him however you had to so I think there could have been a better deal to be had with maybe a bit more patience, but hey, it worked out. So I'm not going to be super upset about it. Uh, Rick Choate says, just stopping in to say it makes me sad to see Sveshnikov liking some of the signings on the Wings page. Arjun Shanker says, what single digit numbers for the Red Wings do you think will be retired by the year 2021? I think eight will be and maybe two, not three though, still. All of them. I say all of them will be it by in 100 by- years. Oh, a hundred years. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, I would hope so. <laughs> 21, 21, yeah. Josh Terrell says, might be time to start a Ken Halton therapy group. Oilers fans can vent their frustrations. And we just nod our heads and say, I know, I know. My God, he's doused that franchise in gasoline and flicked the cigarette towards it. Anyways, looking forward to the Winged Wheel podcast day, fellas. You've earned it and more good things to, cur- to come. I'm sure of it. Thank you so much, Josh. Elite Darren Helms says, good day, dead duds. I sit here composing this with tears in my eyes, both happy tears and sad tears. Drafted with the 132nd overall pick in the 2005 NHL entry draft, Darren Helm would go on to give the franchise 14 unforgettable and elite NHL seasons, including etching his name on the cup in 08 and being instrumental the following season, which never happened. A fan favorite and all-around good guy, Helm is part of Red Wings folklore, loved by all and hated by none. He exemplified what it meant to be a Red Wing, always giving up or always giving the team great energy and mentorship that set us up for future success. Obviously, this is another 4D chess move by Eisman to get one over Sakic and implant the double agent Helm into the Snow Waves organization to destroy them within. In lieu of Jersey time, we will be having Helm time. Please regale us with tales of your top three Helm memories. They must be unique. You cannot piggyback Brett piggyback brad talking about that hat trick in toronto for example for me it's the shift brad's is the hat trick in toronto evans would be the cup the uh ot winner to send him to the cup those are like that's his highlight reel oh yeah thousand percent his only career hat trick the biggest goal of his career and maybe the second most memorable moment of his career Mr. My Socks says, sup dudes, it's been a fun time refreshing my Twitter feed all week uh, while I'm supposed to be working with all that's happening. Pretty sick you've got your own LCA day. Hopefully I'll be back home in Michigan for winter break. Who's the next Red Wing to wear 69? Would be a shame if it's not Igor Jr. Igor the second. <laughs> well, we might we might have a relevant conversation to that coming up on the next episode. <laughs> yeah, you guys ought to stay tuned. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, Th- this a- might be the first time with with zero context for interview. This might be the first time I'm actively hoping a future Red Wing doesn't pick number sixty nine. Yes, yes. Um, AJ Voss says, as a Wings fan living in North Carolina, it's nice to see uh, to be totally content. Nice to be totally content um, and happy with my team's offseason moves while watching local fans around me freak out over whatever the hell their GM is doing. Well, well, well. How the turntables. 
Uh, Sam W just says, congratulations. Uh, everyone, thank you so much. This is where we wrap up this um, big episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. It doesn't matter how much you know we say, let's not talk their ears off. When we get a chance to talk to Alex Nadelkovich, he takes precedent. Whether it's a free agency episode or otherwise, we're thrilled to have talked to him. So thank you to Alex Nadelkovich for joining the show. Um, before we wrap, I just want to let you know, next episode, the Sunday episode, will be actually happening on Monday. Um, we have a holiday here on Monday and we also need a lot of sleep. We, I don't think we've done anything but podcast stuff for the last two weeks. Um, the NHL has been crazy. So Monday will be our next episode. We'll post that on Twitter as well. Please, 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 if you're interested or planning on coming to the event, which I hope all of you are, let's blow them away by how many winged wheel podcast fans and listeners can come to this thing. Um, there will be information posted on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, everywhere. Um, fill out that form and let us know your interest in what you're thinking in terms of where you want to sit, that kind of thing. It, it will seriously help us plan. And with that, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, all of our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, uh, Kyle Karagets, Karagets, you're going to have to teach me how to say that, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, King Tone, Terry Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Isaac J., uh, Taylor Tagel, Arjun Shanker, Brandon M. By the way, Isaac, I never said thank you. Brand new name level sponsor. You're the best. Uh, Brandon M. Sizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Cyrus, Cyrus Marsh, Derek Anstum, DJ Denton, and, uh, Derek are both new name level sponsors, uh, as is Cyrus, um, Greech, Hanali, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., definitely not a Huckleberry, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, as good as it gets, Vaxed, Waxed, and what the hell is Ron Francis smoking, Trevor Pebavar, Matt S., if I missed calling out anyone as a new name level sponsor, uh, feel free to call me out, but we appreciate you all. We'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.